Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I am Eki Tepsipornshai. Well, brother, it's good to have you back again this week. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be on and go through all these uh, various topics. Um, always an edif- edifying time. And it's great to have you to bounce off of as we kind of talk back and forth on these things. And, and it's amazing to me that there are um, so many people providing such positive feedback that this has been helpful to them. So I'm most thankful for that. Yeah, I've been getting a few text messages and emails myself. And so we're grateful. Uh, and I think we're probably both humbled that God would, you know, use us that way. And we pray that he continues to do so. Otherwise, there's no need in doing these things, right? Um, absolutely. No, absolutely. And amen. And, uh, you know, both of us have had our share of training um, in addition to just our experience of, of being Christians. And, and, um, and I know that God has given us um, each a call for a uh, pastor uh, to be a pastor and to, to shepherd the flock. Uh, but with that comes um, really just a lot of lessons learned um, through that, uh, that um, sometimes we don't think about, we take it for granted, but I think these, uh, these episodes are just great opportunities to dive into various topics and, and to just help share what we've learned with others. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I enjoy uh, having you as a co-host. Uh, it, it, you know, they, the old saying, two heads are better than one. And if you're married, <laughs> you certainly understand that that's true. Right. Um, but yeah, we sharpen each other and, and edify one another and hopefully uh, our listeners as well. Well, uh, brother, this week we've got, I think, a really great topic. Um, I, I think it's a topic that really gets missed out on a lot. Um, and it's the topic of spiritual disciplines. Uh, and uh, I, as I was kind of thinking about, you know, primary text for this passage, I kind of zoomed in on Timothy 4, 7, which says, tells us to discipline ourselves you know, for the purpose of godliness. Um, And isn't it interesting, there are two sort of um, erroneous sides of this. You you have guys who will go off into the legalistic side. Maybe we can talk about what that means, what legalism is, because I see that word thrown around an awful lot, and usually the definition is wrong. (laughs) Um, But then we get the guys on the other side uh, of this yeah. when we start talking about disciplines too, who fall into kind of license, right? Well, God loves me, so why do I, you know, need to have any disciplines? I have the Holy Spirit, right. you know, yeah. He'll just teach me everything, and I'm good to go. I'll show up to church occasionally because I don't want to be legalistic. Um, so, yeah, this should be a, an interesting topic, I, I think. But um, yeah, well, brother, let's just hit the legalism thing first. We'll give a couple definitions and then we can get into um, some spiritual disciplines and uh, some that you think of and I think of, and we'll see where that goes. So when someone talks about legalism in general, what should we understand when we use that term, when we see that term? Yeah, legalism is kind of this checkmark Christianity, this idea that you need to check out these uh, series of boxes of things that you need to do week by week in order to prove that you're a Christian. And another way that I would put it is when we put the letter of the law as being more important than the spirit of the law. Um, and, and legalism is really, uh, it, it, it puts into a secondary position our, our love for God. And, and I believe that 
you know, our faith in, in Christ leads to a love of God that should motivate us um, to um, mm-hmm. doing the things that we ought to do in following Christ. I mean, that's the whole point of Ephesians 4.1. When Paul said, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling by which you've been called. And he had just spent the first three chapters just talking about the tremendous glories, uh, the the glorious blessings that we have received um, in Christ. So, yeah, to put it uh, simply, I would say it's it's putting the letter of the law before the spirit of the law. And and it's a failure to recognize the role of our love for God in, in motivating us to those things. Yeah, no, that's a great definition, brother. It's putting an inappropriate emphasis on what we do, right? Um, Which means you can be disciplined and not legalistic, right? Yes, yes. Uh, Yeah, and so, and this is all this, um, it's what I call performance-driven Christianity, mm -hmm. right? You know, we're focused on the performance upon looking the part and and doing things externally so that people won't uh, think otherwise. But I think of also Isaiah 1, when Isaiah, the Lord is rebuking Israel through Isaiah because they were observing all the feasts and the festivals. They were bringing their sacrifices. They were praying to God externally. They were doing everything right. Um, But inside, um, they were like dead men's bones. I mean, they they were Mm. disobedient. They were hateful. They uh, were oppressive. They were not... Um, standing up for those who uh, needed to be defended and and so on and so forth. They're not practicing justice and righteousness and all that. Yeah, I mean, legalism is man-centered, right? It's a man-centered religion. You are the focal point, what you do, why you do it, um, you know, rather than proper obedience being God-centered. And yes, and that's important, I think, when we start talking about spiritual disciplines, because that's going to be one of the questions that immediately come up, right? Uh, And so, you know, we're not going to tell people how how much, how many minutes every day you have to read your Bible uh, kind of thing, Uh, but we are going to tell you, you have to read your Bible, right? Uh, So, when we start getting in that, but there's another side of that, and let's, let's touch on that before we start kind of, you know, giving a list of what some of those spiritual disciplines are, because scripture does certainly speak to some of these disciplines. Um, and that would be the other extreme where it's licensed, right? It's kind of the view of, well, I don't have to be, you know, very intentional to be faithful. Um, I don't have to read my Bible really at all. I can still be a faithful believer because God loves me. What do you think about that view? Yeah, and this is, we typically see this with people that say, I don't care about doctrine, I just care about Christ. Right. Oh, that, yeah. kind of, that, kind of, that kind of statement in a crowd will get a lot of applause, people will love it. Um, but the problem is you can't separate Christ from doctrine. Um, the Great Commission that Jesus Christ gave to his disciples, um, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But then after that, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And you look at even a lot of the greetings uh, in these letters. I mean, for instance, the book of uh, Romans, I think of uh, how Paul starts off the book of Romans. He says, Paul, a a slave of Christ called as an apostle set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection um, from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. And you can go to Peter. Peter opens up in a similar way, talking about the importance of obedience. Um, so people that kind of take that stance of, well, you know, I don't really need to read and um, I, I can just, I've got the spirit within me. Well, the spirit doesn't operate independent of his word. The spirit provided his word. 
the spirit, well, one of the spirit's ministries to us is to illuminate the word to us. So yes, you have the Holy Spirit, but that Holy Spirit is meant to drive you to the scriptures that you would continue to grow. And this whole concept of um, being renewed in your mind, uh, we see that in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And we also see that in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24, you know, put off the old, put on the new, but in between you're being renewed in your mind. Um, so all of that <clears throat> has to come with uh, going to the, the scriptures. You can't merely just uh, say, well, you know, I've got freedom now to do whatever. And the extreme form of that would be that I can continue to commit the same sins I've committed before. Mm. I've got the freedom yeah. to do all those things. And now I'm covered by grace. And what, what a glorious God that he covers all those things. Well, no, that's not the point. Um, those activities dishonor God and part yeah. of our salvation. If you've truly been saved, you have received the Spirit of God, you have received a new nature, a new heart, and those things should result in a different attitude towards those activities. So sometimes, you know, people who say, I've got the Holy Spirit and don't want to do anything else actually kind of prove they don't. Yeah. Well, I, you know, as someone coming out of the charismatic church, you know, Pentecostal church, you get that a lot. Right. It's kind of that pervasive idea of we want to be so against legalism that we don't we don't even want to be faithful, you know, to studying the scripture, to prayer. If you if you pray with any regularity, you might be a legalist. If you read your Bible with any regularity, you might be a legalist. And so they go to the far other side oftentimes, um, you know, which is, well, again, like you say, I have the Holy Spirit, so I don't you know, I don't I don't need to read my Bible. Well, newsflash, the Holy Spirit doesn't just quote unquote, download um, information you never had into your brain. That's not the function of the Holy Spirit. So, um, yeah, absolutely. So, when we talk about these, I think we, you know, we kind of covered both of those. And so, we don't want to fall into either one of these traps because there is such thing as being faithful and diligent um, in spiritual disciplines without touching either two of those extreme sides. So um, it, let's just, I, you know, we haven't uh, come up with a, a list before we started this. So let's just rattle off a few things and then we'll kind of go from there. But why don't we start with, I mean, I think all of we would both agree the two most important of the disciplines we could start with probably prayer, right? And then certainly the intake of the word, uh, giving yeah. ourselves to the reading and study of the word. So maybe we can just start with um, with prayer. Prayer, I think, is, and you'll probably agree, um, dedicated prayer, in, in any case, purposeful, intentional prayer, seems to be something that is often left off the table for a lot of modern-day believers. Um, it we You know, we just don't have prayer closets as it were. In fact, uh, one famous preacher talked about how, um, you know, you could judge uh, how people view a pastor, the church and God by prayer. And he goes on to give an illustration of, you know, if you want to see how popular a church is, you can go Sunday morning um, and see how many people attend. If you want to see how popular a preacher is, you can go Sunday evening and see how many attend. If you want to see how popular God is in the church, go to the prayer meeting. And oftentimes it's God that loses. Um, yeah. And and so, I mean, that's a very heavy statement, but it's a good reminder that we're supposed to be a people of prayer, uh, right? Yeah, and, and what is prayer? Prayer is direct communication with God. It's uh, communicating to God. It's you know, we, we can make it um, overly mystical, and, and obviously there is a mystical element to this, that we are talking to the creator of the universe, and we are talking to someone who does answer prayer. 
Um, so there, there is an element to that that we won't fully um, understand. But we think about Jesus Christ as our example, first and foremost. He, he was a man of prayer. In fact, I just covered a, a lesson uh, with my church on this as we're going through fundamentals of the faith. Um, but he was very much in the habit. Uh, Luke chapter 5, um, we see that he ordered a man that was uh, had leprosy to be healed and told him to tell no one but go and show yourself to the priest, uh, verse 15. But the news about him was spreading even further. Large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. So we know that he was very popular because of his healing. But the very next verse, Luke 5, 16 says, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Mm. And he was yeah. also in prayer um, most of the night before calling his 12 disciples. He was in prayer when he took uh, three of his disciples up to the Mount of Transfiguration, and he was in prayer as the glory of God began to shine through from his face. So we look at Jesus Christ, uh, the one man that you would think wouldn't need to pray because he's God himself. He has a perfect connection to God the Father. They're perfectly united yeah. in every single way. And yet what we see is that Jesus Christ was a man of diligent and, and regular and disciplined prayer. Yeah, absolutely. And and you made a couple of good points. I mean, Jesus didn't. So, you know, again, coming from the background I came from, the, the, oftentimes you find this idea of, well, I, I pray without ceasing. And that sounds good because they're, you know, kind of quoting the text. But when you learn what that means, it basically means they just do whatever they're doing in their normal life. And mm-hmm. maybe maybe occasionally, uh, you know, they get a raise. And so they'll so thank God. They'll say, thank God. And then, you know, that was me praying for the day. Right. I'm not yeah. saying we shouldn't do that. I think it's very good when our initial reaction to, um, you know, God's even just common graces is thank you, Lord, for that. But that's not all that we see in Scripture. Right. And so right. we see Jesus um, slipping away uh, just as you, you've read there to spend some dedicated time in prayer. Um, and so that, that should be uh, a part of every believer's life. And if it's not, you know, I mean, I, I, oftentimes one of the first questions I ask, you know, if folks in the church come and, you know, they are talking about how they're struggling in their faith life and they just feel like they're not really connected to the word or to God. I mean, I go to, to two things right away. Tell me about your prayer life. And many, many times that's an area that's just significantly lacking. And I think we've mentioned this in another podcast, right? It's hard to have a relationship with someone if you never talk with them. You know, right. with them if you, yeah, and we understand and, that even in a marriage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Go with that, brother. Oh, yeah. Just, I mean, even in the marriage, um, I, you know, if you're your wife, um, you can tell your wife that you love her, but if you're never actually communicating to her and, uh, and say, you know, want her to believe that you love her, well, it's going to fall on deaf ears. You know, so you want to be in communication. You want to develop that relationship. You know, your kids, too. The example I often give is, you know, parents, you understand this. Uh, You want your kids to come to you um, because you want to just hear from them. You want them to hear from you. You want to be able to relate. Well, what, um, what often happens, unfortunately, is that your kids come to you often when they need something. Right. Um, you know, in fact, it's so predictable sometimes that for some parents, when their kids come to them, the first thought that comes to their mind is, OK, well, what is it that you want? Right. And um, it's, it's a sad reality of life. But we um, we are reminded even through those secular examples that to really develop a relationship is not to just go to someone when you need something. But, but it's really to pour out your heart to that person and to really get to know that person and, and to um, seek uh, the good for that person. And in the case of God. 
you know, we want to be able to pray with God's will, which, um, you know, that's a whole nother topic, praying in the name of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ when we make our um, when we make our requests known to him. It's really praying in the will and the purpose of God. It's wanting what God wants. And that's the mm-hmm. Lord's Prayer. When part of that Lord's Prayer, we, we say, um, your kingdom come, your will be done. And that the idea behind that statement is that, look, I just want what God wants. You know, well, whatever it is yeah. God desires, I want that to be my desire. And if we have that um, in mind, um, we will do well. And and um, prayer actually serves that purpose, because if we're in the Word and we're growing according to our knowledge of God as revealed in Scripture, um, then when we go to prayer, it's um, it's meant to be a helpful reminder to us of, of who God is and what His will is. Um, yeah, so there's, um, there, there's definitely a tremendous value in building that relationship. Um, just by spending that time. And when we're spending time with him, it also means we're not being distracted by worldly distractions. Yeah. We're not being distracted by the internet. We're not being distracted by entertainment, uh, about things that that don't matter, but our focus um, is upon God. So there's even very much a practical benefit to it um, that we are going to be more godly minded when we're actually yeah. thinking about God. And, and that's never more true than when we're praying. Yeah. And, you know, I think prayer, you know, giving yourself to dedicated prayer, whatever that looks like uh, to you, you know, again, we're, we're not going to tell you you've got to pray three out of five days, you know, but it needs to be a, a regular part of your life. Um, but it's a part of the sanctification process. It's a part of renewing your mind because, you know, to, to take a dedicated time in prayer, you have to eliminate those distractions, right? You're focusing on God. You're focusing on who He is. You're focusing on, you know, being thankful um, for Christ and for your salvation. You're focusing on pouring out your heart before the Lord. It it causes you um, to focus on those things which God has redeemed us to um, and and has taken us away from, right? So, we eliminate the worldly distractions. I mean, you just think we, you know, we go to work for 40, 50, 60 hours Um, you know, during the week, we see the worldly stuff all around us. We're getting bombarded by social media and just, you know, the garbage of the world. And when we make it a habit to consciously take time to pray, right, that's a part of renewing ourselves, sanctifying ourselves, because we're focusing on godly things um, and, and kind of eliminating that worldly influence. And so, if you never do that, you know, I mean, one is, you know, it's one way that God receives glory is through our prayer and thanksgiving to him. But two, you're you're also just harming yourself because you're taking in more worldly stuff than, you know, what you're you're giving yourself into a spiritual discipline. I think of Philippians four um, chapter or uh, six, seven, eight, somewhere around there. Right. It says not to be anxious for anything, maybe 10, but it's uh, in chapter four. Uh, but it goes on to yeah, say six and seven. Yeah. Okay. It says, uh, you know, but in everything by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving. And yeah. so there's an expectation that that should be our lifestyle, just not something we yeah. fit in every now and then. Right. Like we've had a busy few months, but now I'm on vacation so I can pray. Heaven forbid that ever be our posture. Well, and and not only that, but that wonderful verse that you just cited, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, the the outcome of casting your, your, uh, uh, putting your anxieties upon him, be anxious for nothing but by prayer and thanksgiving, make your supplications be known, and the peace of God 
um, which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your mind. That that peace of God, that that's the mystical element there that is beyond comprehension. It's not humanly um, explainable um, because it's not of humanistic origin. Um, yeah, so one of the, yeah. you know, you had brought up the fact that, hey, when someone is struggling, one of the first things you ask is how's your prayer life? Well, that verse right there goes to show that, well, if you're missing the peace of God, one of the reasons why is because you're not actually going to him in prayer. And first Peter chapter five, verses six and seven um, say something similar. Verse six, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, Mm -hmm. casting all your anxiety on him. And I often point out that the word casting is the same word used to cast out demons. And it's this idea of throwing. It's like chucking something Mm -hmm. um, out. But you're, you're taking your anxiety, you're throwing it upon God. But at the end of verse seven says, because he cares for you. You know, so God cares for us, wants us to bring those uh, requests to him. And, uh, and and in that way, we can be reminded that he is in control, that he is sovereign and and that he can take our anxieties and we don't have to worry about those things. We'll have the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension guarding our hearts and our minds. So there is um, very much um, a benefit to us spiritually, not merely just the fact that um, it is commanded, which of course it is. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so I, so we have, we have prayer and I, I don't know if you, you can go to Matthew six. Um, Matthew six is really interesting because it, it, uh, it takes the posture of just assuming prayer is part of your life, right? Uh, six, six, three, eight. but as for you, when you pray, so it, it, it assumes that you will pray, yeah. right? Not that you'll happen upon it, not that you might, but that you do. So when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray with your father who is in secret. Uh, just the the point I would take out of that is that it's an expectation, right? Believers will pray. And so certainly you know, we pray in different ways, but I, I, I think one of the ways that I see the most neglected is the dedicated time in prayer, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, we can, you know, lot, lots of us pray for meals, and I, I absolutely think that's a great thing to do. It can become repetitious where we we kind of lose the heart focus in that, uh, but it's good to do. Um, I know lots of guys who pray for safe travels and thank God, you know, on their way to mm-hmm. and from work. I think those are good things to do. Um, but probably what I see the most neglected is just taking some time aside from everything else, from, uh, from work, from life, from media, from, you know, entertainment, from family, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, whatever it is on some regular basis and just giving that time to God and just communing with the Lord. Yeah. It's all about priority, isn't it? Um, you know, what's most important to us is what we're going to spend time with. And, and I say that, and I, and as I say that I'm even convicted um, by it. Um, and, and I don't know anyone that uh, would say that they spend enough time doing this. Um, but yeah, it is about priority and um, setting aside that, that time to just be with the Lord. Um, and, and it's also a practice of faith and trust upon God. Um, I think one of the benefits of prayer is it reminds us just how dependent upon Him we are uh, for all things. And um, <clears throat> there's that Martin Luther quote um, that I, I'm paraphrasing here, but Martin Luther would uh, pray two hours a day. But on certain days where he had a lot going on, there was a lot on his plate, he would actually pray three hours a day. <laughs> so, so that's exactly the opposite of what, uh, what we would do. But the idea yeah. being that because he has so much, he needs to spend more time, and that's going to um, give him the power to do what God has called him to do. And, and when we study the biographies of, of great men of faith, uh, we mm. often find that they too were mighty in prayer, um, that they, they would spend that time. And, and, you know, we are a people that are holy. We are saints. We are set apart 
And, and that is one of those activities that I think really demonstrates the, the fact that we're mm. set apart, that we do spend our time doing that. In fact, even the earliest Christians, I mean, we look at Christian history, even the earliest uh, Christians uh, were thought to be atheists um, because they would pray to an invisible entity rather than to mm. an actual idol or some sort of statue or something yeah. like that. Um, but uh, yeah, that um, that is uh, much overlooked. And, you know, and, and you had mentioned there are many methods of, of prayer. And, you know, what I say is that even if you don't have those dedicated times, look, when you're in your car, right, um, when you're talking to an unbeliever, when you're evangelizing, I mean, at, you know, when I'm talking to an unbeliever, I, I could at the same time be praying to God, you know, God, open up a door for me, um, give me some mm-hmm. opportunity, give me mm-hmm. wisdom that, that I can actually inject the gospel and, uh, and lead this into a conversation about important things of life so there's um there's all kinds of opportunities that we have to, to pray it does it can be quiet um it can, it doesn't it can be with our eyes open uh, it can be do- while we're doing work um and oftentimes for me and i'm sure for you when we're preparing a lesson a lot of times during the week i spend time time just meditating upon what's going to be taught that week a prayer can take many forms and you're right that the dedicated prayer is is the one that's most overlooked one thing i do like to point out is even outside of dedicated prayer there's almost no limit to the situations that you're in in which you can be praying to God. You don't even have to be speaking out loud. Um, the Holy Spirit knows what's in your mind, and the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. intercedes for you. And even uh, in just this past Sunday, I was talking to um, a fellow dear saint who was saying that sometimes she can't even come up with the words. She, she has mm-hmm. the thoughts and the feelings, but she can't even come up with the words. And, and she asked, does, does God hear that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, of course he does. He, he knows what's in your heart. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you, you know, you can just, you know, you can just groan to God and, and knowing that um, you just, you're at a loss to find the words, but you know what it is that you want to express, whether it's praise, whether it's anxiety, whether it's whatever it may be. And, and we know that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us um, in those times. Um, and uh, meditation, uh, you know, and I'm sure this is true for you when we're preparing a lesson, we will often spend time in the week just meditating upon that lesson. And that's a great time to just be in prayer to God, um, sharing with God what it is that you're learning, giving him the glory, asking him for additional wisdom um, um, to understand more as you, you go through that text. So there is um, really no limit to the um, opportunities that we have to, to really be spending time with God, whether we're on our knees, standing, walking, driving, um, speaking or not speaking. Um, when I'm talking to unbelievers, um, I often pray to God in my mind, um, Lord, open up a door for me to help me to find a way to get the gospel in there that I can share the truth of Jesus Christ with him and all that while I'm talking to him and, and he's hearing something else from my mouth. So, I mean, you can do that as well. There's, there's, yeah. there's uh, no limit to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, th- and that's what we mean when we talk about having a lifestyle of prayer, right? Like those different things. Um, but certainly, it, you know, if we don't make it, it's not a natural human position to take time out and, and pray to God, right? This is where it, it's a spiritual discipline in the in and we understand by that, that there's going to be some battle, right? Our yeah. flesh doesn't want to take that time. Um, and, and so we wrestle spiritually and, and you hear this a lot, right? I just, it's hard for me to get into prayer. Uh, I'm mm. just so busy. I'm, you know, we understand that there are things, you know, there are spiritual forces that would want to keep us from the word, from prayer, from, you know, the things of God. Um, but certainly if we aren't 
you know, at some stage, uh, making the conscious choice to take those moments in prayer, you'll find it less likely that when you're talking to someone, you can pray. Um, you, that, that it comes yeah. to mind, Lord, give me, you know, give me the words to speak to this person. If you're not already posturing yourself in prayer somewhere else, and so, you know, I would just say to folks who are feeling convicted right now, that's good. I'm glad. Um, yeah. And like you said, none of us feel like we pray as we ought to but it you know if you've never had a, a time during the week where you dedicate to some prayer that's that's fine start now right yeah. um and and you do whatever whatever you feel comfortable deciding if you've never done that before you know what start with five minutes just take five minutes mm-hmm. um go somewhere quiet wherever that is if you have to go sit in your car right and just take those few minutes not distracted from anything else and just talk to God, just pray to God. Um, if you're already doing five minutes, then, you know, do 10 minutes. Uh, you don't have to, because I think people hear, whoa, Martin Luther prayed for two hours. Wow. <laughs> uh, it, it, you know, um, but just start where wherever you are and increase it a little yeah. bit and, and develop the habit of doing it because you want to talk to God, because you love talking to God. I mean, just think of it this way. You're talking to the person who saved you from an yeah. eternal hell which you deserved i mean that's that's what yeah. who would not want to go to god right um when you put it in perspective that way yeah and I'm, i i think of um ephesians five eighteen. i we we mm-hmm. talked about uh, being having the holy spirit with us and and because we have the holy spirit mm-hmm. we want to engage in these disciplines but ephesians five eighteen. do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation but be filled with the spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and, and this is one of my favorite parts um to remember about prayer that we we can we can sing songs to god but we we can mm-hmm. we, We've got the Psalms, we've got hymns, we've got a lot of rich um, music and, and uh, songs that we can sing. And in a secular world, we know that people are often taken into a trance with music. Uh, music lifts up their spirits. Mm-hmm. If you hear a lot of uh, even secular music from your childhood, it brings you back to a place um, that uh, that usually results in in some some uh, happiness um, on your part. But really, all of that is really meant to give glory to God. And so Ephesians five eighteen talking about what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, speaking to one another in psalms hymns and spiritual songs but then also singing and making melody with your heart to the mm-hmm. lord um and and i think of acts chapter 16 when paul and silas were thrown into the inner prison and what were they doing they were they were praising god and mm-hmm. and singing hymns and I, I don't necessarily think those were two distinct activities i, I think that that was one fluid activity just blending yeah. one after another so if you have songs that you enjoy singing and, and some of the old hymns are wonderful you know the, of course you got the classics like uh, great is thy faithfulness now great you are mm-hmm. things like that you know you sing those songs and it's amazing that when you start to sing those lyrics it takes you to a place that you know you can't help but to focus upon the greatness of god you know, in those times. Um, so that's um, that, that's another um, thing I would throw in there, but but that's part of what it means to be spirit-filled, yeah. um, that, that we're actually singing praise um, to God. And if we only make it about interceding for others, um, we're going to wear ourselves out. Um, it should yeah. be a time of spiritual refreshment for us to remind ourselves of, of His great testimonies. That's a good point, brother. It You know, prayer includes intercession for others, 
certainly pray for your pastor. If you think about it, pray for our podcast. Um, And so it's, it's intercession, but it's also giving thanks, right? It's prayers of Thanksgiving. Um, It's not just bringing a grocery list of your needs to God, but it certainly includes God knows what you need, but, uh, but it certainly includes bringing those needs before God and then just giving thanks. You know, do, do you just thank God for your salvation, for your family, Mm. for common graces? I mean, you know, we woke up to the sunrise this morning. That's by God's design. Um, you know, I love some of the traditional Jewish prayers. I mean, really, they we can look at them as being very legalistic, but I just think simple things like there are prayers for the fact that, um, you know, their body functions the way it should on a daily basis. Um, it, you know, so we can bring all those things before God. It's just not the very heavy, you know, interceding kind of fighting against the devil type stuff. Um, there are definitely times of that, you know, when you're pouring out your heart for God to save a loved one that's lost, right? Yeah. Um, and And then when you're praising God just because you know, you got to meet with the saints on Sunday and your heart's just overflowing with Thanksgiving. So we have all those things. Well, brother, let's move on to another one. I think we, we've, we, we've not exhausted prayer by any stretch of the imagination, but we've covered it here. Let's talk about one that's really unusual. Um, and I, I rarely hear this one. And it'd be interesting to see how, how our dialogue goes with this fasting uh, we don't talk about, I, I don't hear fasting a whole lot. Um, I, I would start off and say, now, I don't believe that fasting is a commanded discipline in, in the mm. New Testament. I don't see that anywhere in scripture. I do think it is a good spiritual discipline that we see um, believers doing both in the Old Testament and New Testament. I also see there's almost an expectation that some will do it. Um, yeah. And so I think that it can be good. It can be healthy. Uh, let's let's talk about fasting just for a few minutes because I'm sure a lot of people out there are like, well, fast. I, I mean, I I never think about fasting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I'll, I'll confess it's not it's not something that I do very often at all. Um, but uh, when you go to the scriptures, it does assume that you're going to be fasting. Um, it assumes, and it often pairs it with uh, with prayer, and the idea there being that um, during your times of, of fasting, um, once again, you are focusing upon the Lord Himself. You're focusing upon God, and you're exercising and reminding yourself of your complete dependence upon God. Uh, Jesus Christ said, man shall not live on bread alone, but upon every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, and that's obviously talking about our time in Scripture, um, but also just the fact that we are dependent uh, upon God for all things, and so fasting helps to show that. But also, I remember the words of, of Jesus to the Pharisees who challenged um, him about his disciples and, and their fasting practices. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, now is not the time to fast because I'm here with them. You know, But when, they, when I'm gone, uh, then they're going to mm-hmm. weep and they're going to lament, and that's going to be the time of, of fasting. And we saw that example from David as well. Um, so, especially, I would say, in particular, when we're going through very difficult trials, and we really want to come to God. And it's not that fasting adds some sort of mystical element to the mm-hmm. prayer. Um, but I think it, it helps to really just um, p- provide a mindset and a, and a heart yeah. attitude within yourself that, you know, what I need more than food right now is I, I need time with the Lord. And, and so, I, I think it leads to, to really um, a, a, an attitude that glorifies God, um, that, that comes to mm-hmm. God and, and reminds ourselves just how much uh, we are dependent upon Him. 
Yeah, absolutely. There, uh, Paul Washner has a really great little study guide on fasting. I think it's called Understanding Fasting or Understanding the Discipline of Fasting. Um, I don't know, it's five or 10 bucks or something. Uh, but absolutely, I mean, there are well over 50 references between both Old Testament and New Testament to, to about fasting. And most often we do see it in the form of, just like you've mentioned, it's a lamenting or a weeping, but not always. You know, there's what I think, I can't remember the exact language Paul Washer uses, but he talks about an upward fasting. And basically, um, you, you know, it's just your, your focal. There's certainly the fasting where um, we see, you know, the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophet where he's, his heart's just wrenched over um, the disobedience of Israel and, mm-hmm. you know, walking away from God. And we see that, you know, uh, sackcloth and ashes kind of thing. That's certainly appropriate. Uh, maybe we're convicted deeply of a sin in our life. Uh, maybe, you know, our, whatever it is, right. We're, we're, we're wanting to dedicate some time and give up some of what our body needs to solely focus and pursue God uh, over whatever that thing is. But then there's also just a fast of fasting to, fixate ourselves on christ the glories of god and what he's done it can be out of a thankful um heart you know uh, just out of a joyful posture as well and so immediately i say fasting brother and people are like okay well i i know baptists anyway they're like we have potlucks every week i, I don't know what this fasting is <laughs> yeah. the only fasting i do is overnight and i break fast in the morning right with eggs mm-hmm. and ham um but, but food certainly is traditionally what we see a lot mostly in scripture but that is not the only thing to fast right so what what are some other ways we can we can fast yeah and and this is um i hear this often with like for instance lent um and and i don't uh, you know i don't observe lent that's the 40 days before the um leading up to the crucifixion and the resurrection but um yeah you, you can give up um basically anything in your life but i would say that it's not really a fast if you're giving up something that you don't like to begin with right um something that you don't want to do to to begin with and and a simple example might be kids uh, saying well i just won't eat vegetables uh for <laughs> for that time and that's that's a fast right well that that really doesn't mean anything because i i think of uh david um when he brought sacrifices towards the end of his life when he was atoning mm-hmm. for that sin of of uh, bringing the census when he he shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, what did he say? I, he, he was offered um, animals uh, from another man saying, I'll give you these animals. You can go and sacrifice them. He said, no, I'm going to pay for them because they should cost me something. Yeah. And so I I think it could be anything in your life and any kind of um, pattern, anything, any activity that you mm-hmm. normally enjoy doing. And it, and it's really just, you know, we don't want to be legalistic with this, but it, it's really just um, to, to make a statement that, you know what, I enjoy these things, but I don't enjoy it more than the Lord. It, yeah. It's not more important to me than the Lord. So it can serve as a helpful reminder to you. And and, and talking about uh, fasting, even from the food, I mean, you know, the idea I think of, of fasting from food is, you know, during that time where you would normally eat, spend that time in prayer. I mean, that's yeah. the idea yeah. there, right? Yeah. It's not simply just giving up eating, but it's during that time that you would spend eating, which everyone spends time eating. I don't care who you are. Everyone yeah. spends time eating. Use that time instead with that, all, all that time that you would have mm-hmm. used for eating. Use that entire time to be in prayer to God, right? Yeah. Let that, let that be the food that, that nourishes you for, for that meal. 
Absolutely. And I mean, that's a good point. It's fasting. You're not fasting if you're just giving up something you don't enjoy. Um, And and speaking of fasting, I mean, just a good point is what's become very popular in the health world is something called intermittent fasting, right? It's fasting just in terms of doing without food. So even people who don't know God, hate God, then go without a meal uh, just you know, for health benefits, uh, you know, so what we're saying is it's not just doing without, it's replacing that time to yeah. spend with with God. So, uh, in prayer, in the word, you know, pouring out your heart before God, whatever the case may be, joyously or in sorrow. Um, and, and again, it's not a, I don't think it's a prescriptive thing in scripture, uh, but we see that the expectation is that Christians will do these things at some time, some Christians. Yeah. And so, uh, we want to be wise and say, obviously, you you need to decide for yourself um, if you're, you know, a diabetic and you can't go without a meal, then, you know, pick something else uh, mm-hmm. if, if that's something you want to do. So, um, right. yeah, it's not a you have to fast, you know, every week or every month, but um, it is something that we should consider. And I think, um, I mean, John MacArthur talks about it. Uh, I mean, he's talked about it several times over the years, right? And he talks about sometimes it's just good to, um, to, to have your body not get what it needs to, to bring it into submission uh, to, to God in just what you said, right? You're basically just saying, you know what? I'm hungry, um, but I'm doing this uh, not really to prove, but, but to just show um, that my love for Christ is greater than these physical things that we have. Um, but it's, it's not done because you're earning God's grace. It's not done because, you know, you heard us talk about it. It's done out of a genuine heartfelt love and desire um, for, for Christ. And so sometimes we do those things and some people have a regular habit of, of it. Um, it would probably do all of us some good to fast from social media, uh, at times <laughs> yeah, and that's right. it, it can become so addicting. It's a, it's, a, it could be a very real thing. Right. Um, in, yeah. in fact, I, I don't know that that's specifically been what it is, but oftentimes we see brothers take a break from whatever social media and they yeah. come back and they just say, man, I was so refreshed. And here are mm-hmm. things that I hear. I, I spent more time in prayer. I, I got to read that book that was good for my soul that I haven't been reading. I spent yeah. more time with my family. Um, and so y- you can see benefits of taking those kind of times, but it might be fasting your you know, Netflix time at night, your movie time, your whatever it is you're doing. Uh, but the point of all of these disciplines is to direct your affections and attentions towards Christ and to take them off of, you know, the worldly things. And not all worldly things are bad, right? You've got to pay the bills, jobs, you know, those are fine things. But if they become so overwhelmingly distracting, then we may have to do things to take time. Or in fact, we do need to um, do things to take time to refocus ourselves where it should be. Yeah, and then thinking once again of just the attitude of Jesus Christ, um, always looking for that opportunity to, to go away and, and to pray. And when, and when he was going through the temptation, um, 40 days uh, fasting um, before being uh, tempted, and Moses up on uh, Mount Sinai, mm-hmm. um, 40 days uh, just with the Lord, you know, and, and the idea is that he's just being fed spiritually um, by, by God in his presence. Um, so, yeah, all, all those, you know, it's an opportunity for us to, challenge ourselves to uh, to really cultivate uh, that love and, and devotion that we have for God. Yeah, and none of these, by the way, none, none of these uh, spiritual disciplines 
are ever to be used in a way that like you're twisting God's arm to do something. Um, You know, like these false prophets that are saying, I'm going to fast until God, you know, ends COVID or whatever. Uh, That's definitely not what these things uh, are for. I've I've seen a bunch of that language around. Uh, I think TB Joshua said he was going to fast until COVID ended. Well, he should be dead by now because uh, that was, you know, a year ago, but I guess he's got snuck some cheeseburgers uh, in between that. But anyway, um, so fasting and praying, it, those are good things to do. Um, fasting is probably the only one that I, I would say I don't see any prescription for in scripture, yeah. but it's certainly a good discipline to consider, uh, pray through and see, you know, how you can incorporate that just into in in your Christian walk. Um, let, let's go to another one quickly, brother, that doesn't, I, I think, I don't know that I've ever seen this in a spiritual discipline list. Uh, you're smiling. So I just tried to throw in things, uh, but it's one that I would consider a spiritual discipline and that's stewardship and giving. Um, I, I've never personally seen it in a list, but, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what my perspective is, but let me, let me just read second Corinthians nine. You'll probably agree with where we're going here. I'm sure you already know where we're going with this. Um, so it says, now I say this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The one who sows generously will also reap generously. Each one must do just as he has described in his heart, not reluctantly under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. Um, I think that giving um, whatever that looks like, because we're not talking about tithing, there's no compulsion, uh, yeah. but the believer longs to give, especially to, you know, the body and the people in the body he's committed to is becomes an act of worship. And it is intentional, right? Because who wants to give money away? Yeah. And that's uh, when people ask me about tithing, that's the first verse I go to, um, the idea that God loves a cheerful giver. Um, it, because it really, if you're forcing yourself to give even 10%, which is typically what people think of when they say tithing, if you're forcing yourself to give 10% and and you're not feeling good about it, um, guess what? God is not receiving glory from it. You know, yeah. you, you want to be able to give out of out of your heart. And and really, uh, there's, a, there's a theme to these disciplines that we've mentioned so far, and it's about sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Prayer is about a sacrifice of our time. Fasting is about a sacrifice of our really the the physical nutrients that we normally give to ourselves. And stewardship is giving up what's been given to us uh, by God. And it reminds me of First um, Corinthians chapter four, verse seven, when Paul basically asks a number of rhetorical questions to make the point that um, everything that you have, you've been given by God. Hmm. Um, so there's nothing that we have on our own. Um, everything's been given to us by God anyway, and. Um, um, giving that up to the Lord is just a way of once again. It's our expression that you know what God is everything to us, and uh, and and we we have these things, and they're nice to have. Um, but what we need is really God Himself and Jesus Christ, and so those are those are good exercises in that. But uh, the giving um, is to you know you're giving it to the for the glory of God. You're you're giving it to the church, um, and it allows the the church to to do things um, that um, requires uh, those kinds of monetary funds. Uh, so it's um it's a blessing all around, but it's not something that you should do if it's um causing you to be anxious. And yeah. I often tell people, I say, hey, if you're in a tough financial situation, I I know what a lot of preachers say, and and I don't know how you'll feel about this, Nathaniel, but a lot of people will say, hey, you know, no matter what financial situation you're in, you need to give, and then God will bless that. And I I don't know, I don't 
agree with that. Yeah. Um, so I'm I would you. say this. Yeah. I, look, if you're in a tough financial situation, you need to exercise good stewardship. Get yourself back into a situation where you're not owing everyone money, that uh, you're not in danger of losing your house and all that kinds of stuff. And, uh, and, and really for those who um, receive plentifully from the Lord, um, I, I would hope that um, their thanksgiving is such that mm. they're giving even more than what other people would normally give. And I think that has been the case um, in the past with a lot of uh, believers that I've seen. But yeah, it's not, um, there, there isn't a set number to that. And even the principle that um, that we see from the book of Acts, where those with much gave to those who were lacking, right? Uh, I mean, the idea there is that, look, those with much weren't expecting those who were lacking to give back, right? You're, you're giving yeah. to, to those who are in need. And then that's, that's part of the, the giving as well. It's meeting the needs of um, others within the church. Uh, we have a, a deacon's fund. A lot of churches establish that really for the um, purpose of being able to meet the needs of, of fellow saints when they have them. But yeah, it, it, giving, it should be from the heart. It should be cheerfully done. And it should be a part of an act of worship, uh, recognizing yeah. that, God, you've given this to me, but I, I give this back to you. And all of the controversy, and I don't mean to sidetrack this, but all the controversy around John MacArthur and, and the money that he earns and the number of houses that he has, look, you know, I've been around that man for many years being at Grace mm. Community Church, and you would be hard-pressed to find someone who gives more than him, whether it's to um, other missionaries or to the church or, or to needs of uh, fellow saints. Um, and, and so it's not about how much someone receives. It's really um, how much they're willing to dedicate yeah. to the Lord once they've received it. Yeah, well, I mean, those since you spoke, hit that topic, I, the accus- those accusations are slanderous. Um, I, I have very little patience for them. And it's just totally ignorant of, of Scripture. We see, you know, Abraham was blessed, David mm-hmm. certainly, Solomon. Um, God, God gives wealth, right, for different reasons, yeah. different purposes. Um, and no one that knows or has been around John MacArthur or, you know, Grace to Your Grace Community Church um, w- would even entertain those things because again they're they're just false and slanderous but anyway we'll move along um i i you know i the stewardship i put it in the category of disciplines because i think the discipline comes in when you're doing your budgeting that you just have the conscious thought how can we honor god with what he's given us whatever that looks like and i would agree with you um you know i don't teach tithing in fact i teach that is not uh, not New Testament biblical uh, as part of the old temple tax system and how they took care of the priest and covered those things. By the way, it wasn't even just 10%. So if you're really going to teach right. that, um, you got to teach everything else that went with that. Um, and absolutely, you know, we do those things with wisdom. I agree with you fully. Um, you're supposed to take care of your household. And if you can't do that, you shouldn't be giving money uh, until yeah. you can meet those needs. Uh, otherwise, Scripture says you're less than worse than an unbeliever. Uh, so we understand those things. Um, but even even no matter where you are in your finances, the, the discipline comes in uh, the conscious, you know, asking how and where can we honor God with what we have, whatever that yeah. looks like. Uh, I think that's something that we aren't, we don't naturally incorporate into finances, right? Um, and even the 10% thing, often that's not the attitude. It's just, they've been taught they have to do it. And yeah. so it's a, it's done begrudgingly a lot of times, um, or it's done in a way that you're trying to actually earn somehow, mm-hmm. you know, a cup that's overflowing as you would yeah. hear a lot. Uh, in some segments of the church, and and both of those things are absolutely wrong, right? You can give every dime you have, 
um, and you, you can be in sin and, and it not bring glory to God. So, um, yeah, so I just threw that in there, but let, let's kind of wrap up on the, the second of the two very important ones, because you'll kind of get all these other things, right? And that's the ministry of the word, your scripture intake. Uh, last I looked, um, and you can correct me if you know better statistics, but it was still something like less than 10 or 15% of professing believers spend regular time, a dedicated time in the word. Take those stats with a grain of salt. Um, it, it, even, even if it were 40%, it's, that's a low number, right? Um, so let's just talk about why the, the discipline of being in Scripture, studying Scripture, reading Scripture. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a heartbreaking statistic. And I, I can speak for you and myself and, and other pastors who understand the value of the word. Our goal, uh, I think all of our goals for our flock is for them to spend more time in the word, to be growing um, in accordance to the word. And, and this goes all the way even back uh, to Joshua, right? Joshua chapter one, you know, when you study the life of Joshua, here's a man, he, he was faithful. He, he was not a part of the golden calf incident. He trusted God to go into the promised land that God would clear out those those enemies and yet joshua still had to wander in the wilderness 40 years with everyone else who did not believe and so this was a man he, he was an exemplary man of faith uh, but once he took over for moses what was it that god told him well he told him in joshua chapter one said only be strong and courageous being careful be careful to do according to all the law which moses my servant commanded you do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous then you will have success and we can read a lot of the same uh, sentiments in psalm one the very first psalm of the book of psalms yep. talks about the blessed man who meditates upon the word of, word of the law day and night and so we need to be a people and and thinking about joshua once again he was a faithful man if there was ever if there was ever a man who did not need to meditate on it day and night because he had proven his faithfulness, you would think it would be Joshua. But Joshua was held to an account by God saying, no, you need to read and meditate upon this day and night. And if that's true for Joshua, that's true for everyone else. And so everyone needs yeah. to be reading the word of God for the, for the Christian. Let me say this, for the Christian, reading the word of God is not an optional activity. It is absolutely essential for us to grow in Christ likeness. Yeah. It's like what Jesus Christ said, man shall not, and he's not, and, and he's, Jesus wasn't just referring to the leaders. He wasn't just referring to the priests, not just referring to the teachers and the preachers, but he was referring to man in general, that man shall not live on bread alone, but upon every word that mm. proceeds out of the mouth of God. So yeah. it is not an optional activity. It is something that is absolutely essential for us to be able to grow. Yeah. And I mean, there are a lot of, it's strange because this is one of those spiritual disciplines. Um, it just something every Christian should do that gets way more pushback than I ever imagined it would. Oftentimes, guys, at least I, I will hear the kind of legalistic side. Um, but, it, you know, then I would just go to passage and, and try to reason with folks and say, well, all right. So Jesus says, you know, that you love me if what? If you obey my commandments, right. how do you know what God's commandments are if you don't mm -hmm. read the scripture? That's right. right. Um, I mean, the, the Bible is the only thing that we have that gives us instructions for our faith, life and practice. It's the only source of 
discovering who God is of who Christ is. It's the only source we have um, of absolute truth in terms of how we relate to one another, how we relate to the world, how we relate to God. And so, if you're not reading the Bible, what kind of Christian can you be? Right. Because you're following a faith in which you know nothing about. Um, you're just making it up as you go, basically. And and so, I mean, we certainly want to guard against the heart that would say, well, I, you know, I, I want to keep my salvation, so I have to read three times a day. Um, you know, that's not where right. we're going. It should be, there should be a yearning and a desire, and maybe you just need to add some discipline to that in terms of, um, sitting down and figuring out some time to do that. I like Paul Washer. He talks about reading his Bible with his boots on and boots off. Have, have you heard him reference that? No, I haven't. I haven't heard that. It, it's really good. And I, I'm pretty sure it's Paul Washer who talks about that. And, you know, basically he talks about how, you know, there are those times and those mornings where he's just kind of casually reading through scripture, taking it in, trusting the Holy Spirit to, you know, to renew and refresh. Um, and then there's those times uh, with his boots off where he's, uh, oh, sorry, his boots off when he's doing that, right? C- more casual. And then those times where his boots on kind of giving the work picture um, where he's wrestling with the text, he's getting into word mm-hmm. studies, he's getting into, you know, language stuff. He's going back and checking references and really digging deep, uh, asking the question, what, you know, what's being taught here? What does it mean? And you really need both of those times in your life. Yeah. Um, if you're going to be a mature, develop into a mature um, Christian, you need both of those times. Yeah, I, I think of Paul telling Timothy to be diligent, to be approved by God, right? Someone who handles the word of God correctly, yeah. um, that uh, rightly divides it. Um, I think also of Ephesians chapter 4, I we, we see that uh, Jesus gave to the church a number of gifted men, such as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Well, what's that for? It's for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. And the result, uh, the result is equally um, important. Verse 14, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. So mm-hmm. part of growing in accordance to our knowledge is just to be able to discern and discernment is important. We see that in Romans chapter 12, right? So, I mean, Paul, in Romans chapter 12, after giving us 11 chapters of rich theology, he says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. That's wonderful. Everyone would agree with that. But verse two, he says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove Mm -hmm. what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So that you can't be able to prove what the will of God is. You can't even be in a position to know what is good and acceptable and perfect without renewing your mind. But the renewing your mind comes from the scriptures. And I think also, you know, Psalm 23, uh, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. And obviously we know that uh, Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. Um, But what, what did Peter say to Jesus after a bunch of disciples who had followed Jesus had walked away and Jesus turned to them, said, are you going to leave too? And what does Peter say? He said, well, where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. Well, we have the words of life. It's the Holy scripture. So why would we go anywhere else? Why would we want to spend time with anything else? Study the word, grow in accordance to the word. And that is, the only way that we can actually grow into the image of God um, is through the word. And, and I like your point. We need to do it intentionally. We're not simply just trying to just 
gloss over a number of words and say, okay, I've read it, but you're trying to, to read it uh, with a purpose. And, and there could be different types of readings. There could be devotional reading where, mm -hmm. for instance, you're just reading a psalm, you just want to refresh your soul. Um, but there could also be diligent uh, um, Bible study where you're really trying to get into some of these epistles and, and some of the difficult statements that are being made. And, and what did Peter say about Paul's writing? So, some of the things that he writes are difficult to understand, um, but it's the ignorant and unstable who distort them to their own destruction. And, and we don't want to be that. We, we want to rely upon the Holy Spirit given to us and, and the time in the Word in order to um, really understand what is uh, what is being said. But yeah, the, the Word of God, there are so many different ways to, to read it and, and to spend time with it. And uh, we, we don't want this to be a legalistic activity, but recognize that that is the source of life, that that is where we grow from. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we have to say, right, e even, even at the risk of, uh, you know, someone misunderstanding and taking it to the legalistic side, you cannot grow uh, as a faithful believer outside of studying and being in the Word of God. Um, you're going to believe some doctrine. Uh, there's no such yeah. thing as a doctrine-less person all right that's fool uh, you're either going to believe the doctrines of the word the world or the doctrines of the word one of the two um and and certainly you're going to believe the doctrines of the one more easily that you spend the most time in uh at least if you don't spend any time in the truth and so yeah just like prayer you know i would i typically recommend the same thing with people if you're not a, to giving yourself to the reading of scripture find a, a bible app reading plan to start with uh you know carve out 10 minutes um, of your morning time, whatever time you you can carve out, go sit in your car for 10 minutes and read and start with something uh, because you need to develop, you know, the habit of doing that. I mean, we live in a natural world um, and, and, and so certainly we have to develop habits, right? And it requires discipline. There are, I mean, I, I love the word of God and yet there are still times where I have to battle in my mind to sit down and read because I'm feeling so distracted. And that's yeah. the discipline part of it, right? Um, maybe I just don't feel as good as I normally do or something happened or whatever. I battle through that to sit down to spend time reading. And, and, and as I'm reading, oftentimes, right, I feel God doing a work in me. Um, sometimes I still, you know, I get through that and I still feel, man, this is going to be a hard day. But I never regret doing it uh, yeah. because I love the Word of God, um, right. and and so that's the that's not the legalistic way. The legalistic thing would be, well, I have to do this just because it's right. you know I need to keep God's grace or I need to earn God's grace or you know these guys told me I should be doing it. Uh, there certainly should be a heart yearning for it, but that's not enough, right? Your heart can you can want to do something. Um, and not put action behind it. I mean, maybe we would argue you don't really want to if that's the case, but um, but certainly prayer and time in the Word. I, I think of Psalm 19. I just want to read a little bit of this. Um, I mean, it talks about the value of the Word, um, prayer and being in the Word. Listen to just how Psalm 19 describes the Word of God. Now, I'm going to give like uh, I guess it's five or six synonyms for the word of God, which we understand, right? The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Wow. Uh, listen to that. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. So this is verse seven. The testimony of the Lord is sure, 
making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are altogether, uh, they are righteous altogether. And then he goes on to say they are more desirable than gold, right? That's, that's they're more desirable than the most uh, desirable, precious item you have of the day. Um, I, it, you read that and you think, wow, how could any believer survive not being in the word? And the answer is you won't um, right. if you're not in the word and not, not as a self-serving statement, but you know, the, the book that I've written, which I'll link on here is all about God's word. Right. In fact, the title is All You Need God's Word. And it's just a short little booklet. It's a quick read. Um, I think, you know, we make like 15 cents a copy or something. So I make nothing on it. Um, get the book, read it, and all it's surrounded around this psalm. And it's just to show the believer very simple, quick read. You can read it in an hour, um, just to point them to scripture uh, to say, how important it is, how necessary it is in the believer's life. Um, yeah, but it's got to become a discipline, right? We've got to have those times where we read it just to refresh ourselves, whether it's the Psalms in the morning, and then we need to put time in there where we're just really digging down and understanding. And there's so many good resources today, right, brother? I mean, there are podcasts that dig down in the scripture. There are ministries. I mean, John MacArthur, you can listen to sermons for 50 years yeah, digging right. into the word, right? Um, R.C. Sproul, they have teachings upon teachings upon teachings. There's so many good ministries um, out there, computer programs that parse the Greek for you if you want to get into yeah. all of that. Um, and I mean, they're they're really good. So many programs that it's just a matter of saying, this is valuable enough to me. I'm going to take this five minutes and start, or this 30 minutes and start, and I'm going to make a regular habit of it because I love the word, right? Amen. Yeah, and uh, to be honest, I, I think we're going to be judged by all those resources too. I mean, we have access to more than anyone has ever had access to in the history mm. of Christendom, right? Yeah. And and I think, unfortunately, we're going to be found to be a people that um, are as shallow as any generation that has preceded us. And in fact, I would say that um, the, uh, the, the, the shallowness of our time in the Word has contributed to the shallowness of the theology that we see around us. Mm. So, I mean, a lot of the problems that we've been seeing, especially within the church, um, in this nation, especially in the last couple of years, has been a result of shallow theology. Shallow theology produces shallow discernment. Shallow discernment leads to acceptance of heresies, and, and that's that's really the problem um, that, that we're facing today. But yeah, we have so many resources, whether they are electronic, uh, we have a limited, unlimited number of books we can go to. There are podcasts, um, sermons are available online. We can go almost anywhere at any time. They're all there. Um, but the fact that we're not <clears throat> taking advantage of them um, is, is I think, a judgment upon us that we mm -hmm. spend more time on social media and doing all these um, other kinds of things. But the other problem, too, is that because there is so much content, you also need to be discerning of the content that you're listening to. 
you know, pick out um, good preachers, good pastors, good writers, people that would affirm that the Bible is perfect, that it is authoritative, it is inerrant and, and sufficient uh, for our needs, um, and, and to exercise good, solid hermeneutics. So you you also want to be selective and, and not mm-hmm. listen to people who are very loose with the text or, um, you, you know, carrying ideas that are just, just unbiblical. You know, people have this mindset of, you know, you can find a little bit of good in everything, but okay, that, that may be true, but 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 why when there are people that you can go to that are just so that they're providing so much more um, yeah. than, than other people. So, yeah, that's a good point, brother. Um, I, it, you know, why go through the extra work to find one little bit of truth when you can go to a source, you know, where the majority of it is truth, right? Yeah, we're None of us are perfect, yeah, but we're flowing. That's right. we, we've got enough work to do and you're responsible for whatever you take in. So go to the best sources, right? Uh, and instead of the sources where, you know, you may spend so much time and just get a little bit out of. Um, yeah. And there are a lot of good ministries to start with. And, and so I, I think of, you can go through and look at G3 and find healthy sources. You can go to um, Grace to Use website and find, yeah. you know, a plethora of different pastors and resources and people who, you know, are sound in doctrine. Um, you know, start start with some of those places. You can go to Heart Cry. Um, Heart Cry has some great uh, resources, um, books that they've vetted and gone through. And, you know, you're still responsible, but those are just some good, healthy places that you can go to without, you know, fear of, you know, finding a heretic or something. Yeah. Um, so start there. And and you're right, brother. We were in a, I, you know, we have so many resources. I never really thought about the responsibility that we're going to carry. Um, mm-hmm. We, I, you know, I think as you were saying that, I, I think about my time in Africa. And I mean, just think about this. There are countries on the African continent that, in fact, Uganda is one of them. Um, I've been to every major bookstore that I could find in Uganda, and they don't have a single theological book. And and this isn't hyperbole. Um, I think about that. Yeah. Can you imagine living in a country where you you don't even have access? Right, most people yeah. in that country don't have ready readily are uh, the internet readily accessible mm-hmm. because of the fees and the expenses. And here we are in America, and we have Christians who never read their Bible. Uh, we have Christians who scarcely darken the doors of a church. We have Christians who are Christian basically in name only. Uh, and you have these believers in other countries who quite literally risk their very lives to get a Bible. Uh, you know, they go to church on yeah. Sunday knowing that a grenade may be thrown in the door. You know, yeah. you look in. Yeah, they, uh, they, they'll rejoice just to receive a Bible, right? Right. And and how many of us have multiple Bibles in our home with multiple translations and all that? Absolutely. And and so, there's nothing wrong with having them. The yeah, problem is not. if you… If you have them and you never open them, right? right. And and so again, it's not a legalistic thing, but you know we've got to bring some. uh, I mean, there's just a stark reality in the Western society where we become so lazy, um, and and because of the shallow Christianity that's been spread here, we've got Christians who really just love the world more than they love the Word, Um, and they they would confess otherwise, uh, but you can write words. Uh, on the tops of their Bibles and the dust that's collected over the years, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so make prayer, make these disciplines a part of your life. Sit down, 
um, you know, look at your life schedule and see where you can incorporate, start incorporating some of these things. You know, we're not saying you got to, you know, pull it out 15 minutes, 15 hours a week and do all these things. Just start, um, you know, a little bit more than what you've been doing. So if you don't read your Bible any other day than Sunday, then you know what? Pick one or two days or five minutes a day and mark it in your calendar so that you, you, you start disciplining yourself to get used to it and spend yeah. that time in the Word, right? right? Turn off your phone, turn off Twitter, turn off, well, you can't turn off your children, but you know, get your spouse to take care of the kids for five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever. Um, you know what? Take five or 10 minutes out of your lunch break. Shorten yeah. your lunch break. Um, you know, do what you need to do because you love God, because you want to be obedient to the word, because you love the word and you just got to fit it in. Remember this life that we're here is not what it's all about. Contrary to what Joel Osteen would tell you, if this is your best life now, you're going to have a really bad eternity, (laughs) right? Because if this is your best life, then you're spending eternity in hell and we're talking to believers. So that's not your case, but um, you know, it's the pilgrim, right? Pil- Christian pilgrim's progress. His whole life is headed towards one direction. That's the celestial city. And he's doing what he needs to do to get there. Um, and you see the constant interactions with evangelists and with the pastors and with the Holy Spirit on his way there. And that has to be your mindset. And if your mind is not um, regularly in prayer in the scripture, then the world is going to rule your life rather than the word. Amen. Amen. Well, brother, you have any last words for us today? No, I I think, you know, and and there are many more disciplines that we can talk about, um, a fellowship, uh, being there at worship service and um, things like that, praying for others. Uh, We did talk about prayer, but uh, interceding for others and and knowing each other's needs is a way of knitting our hearts together. Yeah, these are all practices that um, when we talk about spiritual disciplines, it really is one of the first things that if you're discipling someone new in the faith, um, that's one of the first things you should address is that, look, you're now a new creature. You're a new creation. you've uh, You've got a new nature. You have a new purpose. And so now, it's time to reorient your life to reflect that. And uh, so these these disciplines are important. And the ones that we've talked about this morning, whether it's prayer, fasting, time in the word, um, I think they all blend together, really. I mean, you, you can do them all together, right? Uh, rather, than, uh, rather than eating, you can spend time in fasting, spend that time that you would normally be eating to to read the bible to to be in prayer to give praise to god and and uh, all of those things so yeah these are uh, these are rich disciplines that we need to seek to incorporate more and more into our life and and that really is part of the whole sanctification process well thank you brother for that and we appreciate you guys tuning in with us um we would love to get an email from you if you want to do that you can send us an email at truthbeknownpodcast at gmail.com Feel free to uh, visit our store if you want to check out some cool merchandise or whatever. But please um, make prayer, make uh, time in the word, make, um, you know, think about fasting something. Everybody can fast something. 
Um, but make these spiritual disciplines a love of your life and pursue them as you pursue holiness and relationship and intimacy with Christ. So until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.